Welcome to Point Me to Jesus. I'm your host, Tara McCleary-Reeves. I am so excited to introduce you today to a friend from South Carolina, Chris Cowan. Many of you may not know, but January 9th was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day across our nation. And Chris is representing those heroes and sheroes in blue today. He does a lot with mentorship. His history is amazing, the things that he has done, not only in the United States of America, but in continents that I'm going to allow him to explain to you a little bit more. But Chris, as we start, and welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. I am so excited to be with you. I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I get to see your dad today. So I'm like a kid at Christmas and I get I get to talk to you. I, I, the day could not get any better. <laughs> well, thank you for all that you're doing for so many. And uh, my dad certainly loves you and he's looking forward to, to being with y'all as well. I'm gonna open us with this verse that I'm sure you're familiar with, Chris, but Micah 6, 8 says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, Chris, you and your fellow uh, men and women in blue are doing just that because we serve a God of justice. And we as an audience are wanting to say thanks to you for your service, uh, for what you stand for. And, uh, and we pray and want to ask you how we can continue to encourage the great work that you and your comrades are doing. I think that, you know, 2020 was a, was a very difficult year for everybody, um, law enforcement included. And I think quite honestly, there's so many good people in our country that take the time to stop and just simply at a gas pump and say, you know, thank you to a police officer or, you know, just simply just simply that little effort of, of reminding law enforcement officers around this country that they are loved. They are important. Um, you know, and I use the, the old adage, you know, if you look at, you remember there was a, there was a protest that occurred in Charlotte many years back and yeah. Charlotte's a, a city of a million people, but there was maybe eight or 9,000 people that were involved in these protests. And you think about the percentage of that. And my point in that is this to law enforcement, to the citizenry is it's a small group of people in my humble opinion that, um, despise the police for whatever reason. And the fact is that to answer your question, the best thing that can happen is just simply drop a note off at, this, at, at a station or your local police station, your local sheriff's office, you know, a little card, of handwritten notes. We've got a young lady in Richland County. She's, I think, 12 or 13. And I think on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis, she is dropping off cards. She's dropping off baked cookies. She's, I mean, doing all these little things that her heart is pouring out, you know, to her to do. But that just goes such a long way. And there's been times in my career where I've thought, you know what, I'm done. I can't do this. And then there's been something that's occurred where I've been involved and helped somebody or somebody's needed assistance and, or something's happened where I've gone on a call that, you know, and you just reminded, wait a minute, God's got a calling. God's got a purpose. It goes yeah. back to what you and I said about, think you got a plan and go ahead and tell God about it. Cause he's going to laugh and he's going <laughs> to say, no, I got another plan for you. But Chris, I think that's the biggest thing. Our audience wants to know about your service because your incredible resume uh, just speaks volumes of, um, of your heart submitted to the Lord and um, in championing um, just godliness wherever you go. So tell us a little bit about your history. Well, I, I think historically up until about five minutes ago, I, I, 
I haven't always championed God's message. You know, I've, I've made many mistakes in my career and in my life um, and not followed the Christian path and not followed God. And then I've, I've realized that, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that and I need to come back. And, and I guess my point in saying that is I have had a lot of opportunity in my career because I've had mentors like Sheriff Leon Lott, who've really looked out for me and my family. And he does that for a lot of people. And yeah. he's really taken me under his wing and, 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 you know, pulled me back a few times and pulled me in a few times and, you know, hit me on the back of the head with a two by four, you know, a couple of times. And, you know, just the people like that, that are godly men, Paul Butler is, is another man is, who, in my opinion, is has the Christian faith that has helped me along in my career um, to keep me on the right track. Um, and I have had a lot of opportunity, but humbly, I would say that it's not me. It's been those opportunities that God wanted me to be in a certain place at a certain time and be able to say certain things. And, it's never been my word. It's been something that, you know, it's something that, that he's had me doing and interacting with you and your family has, has been a, a lift to my Christian faith. And, and, you know, Chris Hutniak, other people I could mention, you know, yeah. that really helped me along my life. Um, but I have had a, a lot of blessings and a lot of opportunity. I tell people all the time, I'm more blessed than I deserve because that's the truth. I don't deserve the blessings that God's given me because I'm not worthy of it, you know? Um, so yeah, well, tell us, tell us, how did you start? Did you always want to be in law enforcement, Chris, from, from a little boy? Um, no, 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 I, you know, it's funny because, you know, you ask little boys and little girls, you know, what do they want to be? And, you know, you hear the football, you know, player to the ballerina to the, you know, president, to, I mean, from, you know, from all mix. And I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do. In fact, I think I'm probably still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up, you know, um, <laughs> My, thankfully, my wife keeps me on the right track. But, yeah. you know, I think that I didn't know I, I to answer your question. I, I you know, I, I went to University of South Carolina I was in the Navy ROTC program. And if God hadn't put me in that Navy ROTC program, I would never have graduated college. Never. Right. I just I, I needed that structure and I needed that support. Um, and, you know, I, I was able to, you know, go into the Navy and, and do some things there. And then, you know, coming out of the Navy, coming back to South Carolina, it was it was a door that God opened. Um, and it's just, it, it wasn't what I expected at, at any stretch of the imagination. And there's been points throughout my career, 28 years in law enforcement to say, you know, I, I thought I would have been doing this in law enforcement or that in, in my life. And, you know, I, today, you know, I look at where I am today and, and thankful with people like Sheriff Leon Lott who have, you know, believed in me and given me the support that I needed to be where I am. And doing things like managing managing a budget and in in managing special operations units and yeah. doing different things that you know I just never envisioned. No, I so to answer your question, you know, if, if I go back 30, 40 years, I I would never have thought, you know, but again, it goes back to what what's God's plan and do we really trust his plan? And yeah. I've been really bad about that in my career of, of trusting, you know, the direction that he's wanted me to go in and he's opened doors and I've I've resisted. No, I got this, you know, I'm in control and we do that so often. Yeah. Tell us about your work in, uh, in Queensland. Wow. What a, what a blessing that was. So um, the sheriff allowed me to go to the FBI National Academy, uh, which is a, a law enforcement program for executives. And in that opportunity, I met a beautiful man named Mark Plath. Um, Mark was from the Queensland Police Service. And Mark and I established a friendship, a, a really very, very close, tight relationship. And he invited me to come over and be part of a leadership program that they were developing and that they were building in Queensland for their police service. And I was able to spend a couple of weeks there um, doing some teaching and doing some learning. Um, and that partnership developed into a relationship with another beautiful man, Wade Fuller, 
um, Craig Huxley and some others in that area. And so we've established this, this friendships um, that have really built some really solid foundations for some of the things that, that I like to get out and talk about. Um, and I was able to go to um, the Australian Institute, Institute for Police Management and get my graduate certificate. And, um, you know, the, so it's really, it goes back to the premise by why um, I've asked your dad to come speak with a group, why I'm speaking with some different groups. And it's about the difference between being transactional and relational in leadership. Um, I've been really bad in my career about being a transactional leader, a mission-oriented, objective-oriented box checker that, you know, constantly wants to get the mission done and get things accomplished and check those boxes. And I, I really have tried to over the last probably six months, a year really realized it was like this epiphany to me, like, dude, you've been a transactional leader your whole career. You've been this, you've, you've been successful, but are you being significant? And so I'm trying to develop that program and that for myself to learn from my mistakes. Cause I think as a leader, I think that's the biggest thing that we do as leaders is, is do two things. One, we go to God, we go to the best leadership book that's ever been written, which is the Bible. Right. And two, we, we trust ourselves to realize that we've got to be relational yeah. in our leadership. We have to be intentional and, and not transactional. And those are the mistakes that I've made. I've made a ton of them in my career. That's for sure. I tell you, it sounds so much uh, like a book that I was encouraged to read in seminary, Chris, and I'm so glad you're bringing this up because it's so pivotal when you look back at Jesus's ministry and how God <laughs> just assigned him to be with those, those 12 men. The Lost um, Art of Disciple Making is just a beautiful book. And I'll, I'll have to send you a copy. And another one that I love is The Master Plan of Evangelism. And again, oh, wow. it's that relational aspect of Jesus investing in those 12 and then the duplication, the multiplication that, that occurs after that, you had exchanged uh, with some emails. And I want my audience to know that anytime that I exchange an email with a male, I always copy my husband on it. So you probably noticed that we do that to uh, protect our marriage. That's one of the hedges of protection. And my husband pointed out in, in one of your titles that was so great, and he is in leadership, he's in corporate um, America, and he pointed out just how wise you are to know the difference between uh, shepherding and, uh, and sheep herding. That's interesting because I think I, I, this is another example of where I think I've failed in my Christian walk as well as my leadership over, over the period of time is understanding that difference. And what, what, what was I? What am I? What do I want to be? And that is really part of what we try to do when we're talking with organizations and, and, and doing some coaching is talking about that, that difference and getting people to understand you can be both. So a shepherd and a sheep herder are different in the stance of this is you obviously have, you have a flock of sheep and it could be 12 people. It could be 200 people. It could be, you know, you, whatever your flock is at that time, whatever uh, team that God has put in front of you. And the question you have to ask yourself is if that team is in a field, the field being your business, whatever, it, whether it's law enforcement or whether it's selling widgets and that team is in that field, in that arena, are you on the fence are you over overlooking and overwatching and are you being protective and controlling or are you out in the middle where you can be involved, you can be relational, you can be supportive and, and you're, you're with the flock, you're guiding the flock, but you're not deciding for the flock. You're, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't need a staff. That's something that I've had a lot of difficulty realizing is, you know, that the difference between being punitive and being supportive and, you know, 
you have to, as a shepherd or a sheepherder, you have to decide which is best for you for different scenarios and different situations. But the, the most significant leader, not the successful leader, we can be successful because we make a lot of money. We can be successful because we, we live a long life and, and we, we build up all these different things. But you have to move into deciding, are you going to be significant from success to significance? Yeah. And to do that as a, shep- as a sheep herder, you're controlling things. You're herding people together. You're bringing, you know, you're, you're juggling different balls in the air and you're bringing your team together in the arena. But if you're a shepherd, you're coaching, you're supporting you're developing capacity, capabilities, strategic, um, you know, dynamic. I mean, all of those items that you really have to get into if you want to lead and not manage. Yeah. And I think me personally, I've been a manager and a supervisor most of my career. And I think we do that a lot in law enforcement where we manage people and communities and we try to control things because we're type A personalities. Yeah. Um, being that shepherd is, is, is really what I've strived to get better about, um, especially yeah. late in my career and trying to realize that I've failed in some of those areas and, and some of our failures are our best teaching points. Well, that's so important. It's a, an important reminder for all of us. And, you know, I'm the product of a mom and dad that are incredibly relational. Uh, you know, I have said before that I could not go to the grocery store and get out within 15 minutes if I were with my mom, especially because she is talking to every cashier, every bagger, <laughs> uh, the deli man, the, you know, I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, you've met my parents and my dad's the same way. They just don't meet strangers and in yeah. every heart that the Lord brings into their path, you know, they're going to encourage and love on in, in some way. Now they have their, they have their moments. We all do, you know, and especially as they get older and, and get a little bit more set in their ways, but I've been blessed to watch that example as I know, you know, your children, children have been. And, and I love the fact that you are evaluating where you are at this particular season in life and you're willing to course correct. You know, I mean, I think the beauty of the prodigal son was the fact that, you know, he, he, he repented. He didn't continue down the path that he was going, but he recognized that this is a dead end street and he turned toward his father. And I just love the picture of the father running to meet the son and, uh, you know, as, as parents or as leaders or in whatever role the Lord has us, that unconditional love that we're to ex- extend, that grace, that peace, that, um, that recognition, that there but for the grace of God go I, you know, I think you are living that. And I think your children, your, your wife sees the humility in that. I think we all do. And that's something, again, marks a great leader. I think it was Churchill, didn't he say that success is is going from failure to failure with the greatest amount of enthusiasm? Enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But you know, there's there's you've got people and position. So I think that's something that we get confused sometimes is, is you have a position in life, maybe like you said, in the chapter of life that you're in, yeah. may not be the position in your organization, but where you are positionally in your life at that moment. And then you have the people, but then on top of that, you have to kind of bring it together with a couple of P's, which I like is, which is passion and priorities. Yeah. And so, you know, how are you going to bring those two together? Um, because I think what I think the biggest mistake that I've made and that I'd like to point out to, to others is that what is our vision and values? What are our beliefs? Mm-hmm. What is our passion? Yeah. And I think it goes back to what Martin Luther King said, which is a blueprint. 
Do you have a solid blueprint? Do you have a purpose? Do you have values and vision? And, and are you making sure that you have a sound and solid specific direction for yourself spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, physically? Um, and I think that's one of the things that we miss out on all the time is we forget, you know, you watch all these football games on TV. In my opinion, corporate leadership should be watching these football players or basketball players or whatever sports you want to pick and realizing that in in corporate America and in law enforcement, we're, we're athletes. We have to hydrate our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirit. We have to make sure we're feeding our mind, our body and our spirit. And we have to make sure that we're studying in, in order to be better so that we can play the game. Put me in coach and I'm ready to play. The question is, are you doing all those things to sustain from success to significance? Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter in love of a former NFL head coach. And my husband can tell you that, you know, when, when Poppy was, was coaching, uh, he spent so much time studying the game plan of, um, of the other team, you know, watching films of the other team to kind of learn their habits and, and the ways that they would go to be prepared when they were on that field facing each other, that he knew enough about their strategy to circumvent yes. that. Tell us a little bit, Chris, because you also have a history in mentoring uh, college athletes. I think if you're working with an athlete on the, in, in the football arena, the soccer arena, or if you're working with an athlete, what I call a corporate athlete, and I can't take credit for that term. I don't know where that came from. It, it's just something I use, so I don't want to plagiarize something somebody else has copyrighted. Um, but I use that term because I think that, yeah, we've, you know, we've worked with athletes, but it goes to this. The best laid strategy is, is ideal. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a strategic plan, whether you're a football team or whether you're a corporation, a multi-million dollar corporation or a mom and pop, you've got to have a strategy. And yeah. so as a corporate athlete or a, or a, an athlete in the arena of football or whatever, you've got to have a strategy. The issue comes in this. And I think there's a lot of, uh, Christian, uh, coaches, uh, uh, Tony Dungy is one of them. Others that, I, that you've heard, you know, speak, and the fact of the matter is culture destroys strategy every single time, hands down. And, and what you have to do is get into the mind of an athlete because 80% of the game is, is resilience in their mind and their heart. It's not their physical capacity. It's their mental and emotional capacity to be successful and significant on the field. So you have to develop a culture of that. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do, people like Paul Butler and Chris Hutton and other people that are doing similar types of work are trying to get into people's minds and get them to understand that culture will destroy strategic planning every single time. You can have a mission statement and objectives up on the wall all day long, but if you don't have key performance indicators yeah. and you don't have culture that's going to support those things, yeah. you're going to fail every time. Absolutely. And there's been law enforcement agencies in this country and there's been governments in this in, in, in the local state and federal level that have imploded and companies that have imploded because they haven't had the culture to, to support that strategic plan. Who would you say, Chris, is your hero of the faith from God's word if you could only choose one? And actually, it, I, I, I made a note because um, you had had you talked to me about that and I wanted to kind of think about it. But Paul is actually. Um, who I think realistically would be my, my biblical mentor or coach, because he understood people have different gifts. Yeah. He sought to unify diversity. Yeah. Um, he really, he was, he sought maturity personally, yeah. 
even though he didn't achieve it completely. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not suggesting that I'm anywhere near Paul's level of Christianity. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, he always sought reconciliation. He always sought uh, being a servant at heart. Um, you know, he was, a, he was planting seeds, yeah. which goes back to one of the big principles that I, uh, John Gordon's book, the seed. Yeah. And it's about taking that seed and where you plant it and how you harvest it and cultivate it and all that. Um, but Paul loved people and I love being around people. I, I love people. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Paul was a skilled writer. He was a skilled debater. Um, you know, so all these things are kind of bouncing around in my head thinking about why it would be Paul. And I think it is, I think that's, you know, everybody always, the canned answer in my opinion is always, well, Jesus, well, yes, but let's break it down to a step further is, and I guess this is the question I would ask you or anybody else is, are you living a legacy or are you leaving a legacy? And I think, unfortunately, I think what I've been doing is I think I've been trying to leave a legacy instead of live it. You know, leaving a legacy is you build goals for other people. You, you have this, you know, you, what you want to say is, okay, well, I'm going to have an obituary that's going to say all these things. And this is what I left my children. And this is what I left my community. But why wait? Why wait and build and, and, and leave a legacy? Why not try to live it? And be a listener, be intentional, be relational. Um, you know, somebody told me, and I don't know who this was, so I can't take credit for it, but it was about understanding life backwards and, and then living it forward mm. and creating value, vision, and purpose. And what a thing to strive for. I, I'm nowhere near that, that by any stretch of the imagination, but what's something to strive for is to live your legacy, not leave your legacy. You know, yeah. we have to, we have to release control and trust God. To what does, what difference has he made in your life, Chris? Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and that would be, <laughs> I mean, pick, pick any of a thousand in the last week. Um, yeah. There's so many things that, you know, blessings that, that he's given to me and to my family and, you know, the people that he's put in my life, you, your dad, um, people like a friend of mine, Chris Hutniak and, you know, Paul Butler's and, and Sheriff Watt. I mean, people like that, that, the, that, that God has put before me to help me both, you know, epitomizing what it is to be a true Christian and, and, and the direction that we should, that I should be going in that I don't do every day. And Mm -hmm. so there's been countless, you know, the opportunity to speak with you, the opportunity to speak with groups like, you know, Jim Hudson automotive group was a Christian based, um, you know, corporation that is the largest, you know, the most successful um, automotive group in the entire country. Mm -hmm. Um, And being around Christian based organizations like that, that, like you said, iron sharpens iron. These are biblical Christian Christian uh, executives who are trying to improve themselves personally and professionally and spiritually. Um, I think you did. I personally think you have to differentiate the three personal, professional and spiritual. Yeah, because I think if you try to lump spiritual and personal together, I think you miss the, the message of God. Um, but I think that being around organizations like that and, and God providing that opportunity for me to learn, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of speakers make is that they get up in front of a group and then, and they present all these facts. Yeah. They present how they're all of these things and they have, they're the experts. I'm not the expert in anything, yeah. but just be completely frank with you. I, I believe that God puts on my heart to messages. And I think often, more often than not, those messages change because of something he's wanting me to say to somebody in the group that needs to hear something, you know, whether it's, you know, Isaiah six, eight, here I am, send me, you know, coming up with something that would never have, you know, my, but 
that's, I think the, the blessing that's to beautiful, me is though, and it shows you the maturity that you have to be discerning, you know, and to, to listen to his voice. And I love what you said about the spiritual versus the personal, that sometimes the personal, we think it's in our efforts and in our doing, yes. but no, it, it, the, the foundation is it's, it's, he's the one that draws us to himself in closing, Chris, um, in light of this 2021 year, and I'm so thankful that the Lord brought you and especially during this first month of this first year. And I think a lot of us have already felt just in the last few weeks that perhaps we've already lived 365 days <laughs> in seven. Um, but what, what are your, and instead of getting discouraged about the circumstances and the surroundings of our times, uh, I know where your encouragement lies and that's, that's in the unchanging truth of, of the word of God. How are you applying that today in light of the circumstances, in light of the fact that some days I know in law enforcement, you have to feel that there is a bullseye on your back. How, how are you getting through these times? Um, and how can you encourage our listeners that may feel a little bit down and discouraged that their resolutions have already yeah. <laughs> wow. up in smoke? Yeah. Well, okay. So it's funny that you mentioned up in smoke. There's a video out there uh, of a dumpster on fire that's going through. It's a flooded street and this dumpster is floating down the street. And this fire is burning in this dumpster and everybody, you, I've seen that more times than I care. And, I, and people need to stop. I, I, I'm sorry. I totally disagree with the thought that 2020 was a dumpster fire. Yeah. It was a bad year. It was a difficult year. Yeah, but I, here's the thing. Yeah. Think about the opportunistic environment that 2020 provides us in 2021. Look at all of the things that went right. It goes back to John Gordon's discussion about hunting the good. Find the good. And I know that a lot of people died and a lot of people have been sick and a lot of people lost family members. I'm not trying to be unsympathetic or empathetic and passionate about people. I guess my thought process is, did you, did you have, do you, are you taking advantage of the opportunity knowing somebody's sick to make sure that they're going to heaven? Yeah. Are you taking advantage in the opportunistic environment that it has for you to improve, improve your relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah. And, and I guess my thought process there is 2021, we can smash 2021. It can be a huge success because we can be not successful, but significant for other people. I think God, this is just me. I think God is telling us, wake up, smell the coffee get, put your bootstraps on, put your big boy panties on and your girl panties on and put them on. Let's go. Let's go and get out and get in the fight, get in the fight for Christianity, yeah. support others. Don't yeah. make it about you. Make it about other people. What can you do in 2021 to help your neighbor? I saw a video the other day, a UPS person was delivering something and there was a snow shovel and he, and he shoveled the, the walkway. Took him five minutes to do. Yeah. Just something, some small act of kindness. And if we go back to that, that's what our country was founded on. Our United States of America was founded on helping others, yeah. doing for others more than you do for yourself. Yeah. And we've got to get back to that in this country. There are enough groups that are trying to tear us apart, that are trying, that are purposely wanting diversity and yeah. their separation. Yeah. We, we can't let them get that handle. We've got to be the voice of truth and the voice of, of the republic that was founded, which is about unification yeah. and doing for others. And don't worry about doing it for your entire state or your entire country. Do it for your neighborhood. Yeah. Do it for, like you said, the, the bagger. You know, I see it all the time at the grocery store. You got a bagger there and people treat them like dirt. 
yeah. drives me absolutely crazy. That's the person that you should be treating with the most respect yeah. because they are working to better themselves. Uh, you have heard today from a true champion, uh, not over, not only of the faith, but uh, also of just a law enforcement. This is a man that is willing to put his life and stand in the gap uh, for you. And, and Chris, we cannot thank you enough for your willingness to come. Uh, you encourage us on a daily basis, but to encourage us right now that, that we'll be able to, to share this with our friends and the words of wisdom that, that you have spoken to us uh, will not be forgotten. And I pray that we will truly uh, take these truths to heart and apply them. 